Spirit of the wind, carry me. Spirit of the wind, carry me home. Spirit of the wind, carry me home to myself. So you were just laying on the bed and everyone was checking the cervix. Yeah, we just, I was just living in this like activist punk house when I was a teenager and it was super cute and there was <laughs> um, but yeah, there was so many like female bodied folks there and it was really sweet because nobody had seen their cervix and very few people had even really seen their vaginas or explored them at all and so we all just piled into this really sweet little room. And um, I had a bunch of extra speculums at the time because I was teaching all these different classes. And um, yeah, we each just like saw each other's cervix and like, you know, helped each other figure out how to use the speculum. And like everybody got to see their own bodies. And it was so cool because it was the first time they'd ever seen it, which to me, I was like, how how have you guys not done this before? Like this, you know, this population of people for whom like sovereignty and autonomy and that way is important I feel like that's the center of importance with that is it's your own body you know like what what better compass is there in life if you're not going to have any gods or masters like you have to look to that you know yeah well said I feel like that's the first thing that's really programmed into us is this sort of subconscious fear of our own inner workings and our physicality and over myself, I still feel afraid of it sometimes or, or find it a little challenging to be consistent with touching my body. And one thing you're really good at reminding me of, you'll say, have you done magic on this? Because <laughs> there's so many things I feel comfortable doing magic around, but there's certain things with my body or even like the bigger traumas in my life that I haven't done the basic magic with. And then you say that and I'm like, oh yeah, it can be very simple and I forget about it. Yeah. What kind of, what, what do you feel like if someone's never, and no shame to anyone, if you've never touched yourself or explored your cervix but if someone hasn't like how could they go about that um i mean the cervix is hard because you need to learn it's not hard but it's just a little bit more technical because you need to know how to use a speculum which is so easy um you can order them online the plastic ones for i think they're like a couple bucks each or the metal ones which work a little better and they're more like 15 to 20 bucks but it's basically just like you put it in you go all the way back you open it up and then you shine a light and have a mirror. So it's nice to have an extra set of hands. Um, 
But you can also just, if you ever get a pap or ever get any gynecological care that requires a cervix, just request to see it. And that person can always get a mirror. Um, But even beyond the cervix, I think it's just beautiful and and good and empowering and really important to explore your body in general. And so like get a hand mirror, like look at yourself, touch yourself when something's uncomfortable, like touch it, you know, like feel it, talk to it. What's it telling you? And I feel like there's like a, I don't remember even what they call it, like pussy mapping or something like that, where you like look at yourself and draw yourself. And, and I think it's so important and so good because also even on a medical level, something's up, you can be like, Oh, this is what I usually, this is my normal. And this is different or this has changed or, or a way to appreciate yourself as you grow and be like, wow, this thing is changing or color or shape or whatever. And that's beautiful. I mean, what better way to, to see, you know, to know yourself, to watch yourself grow. Yeah. What energy do you feel like the cervix holds? The cervix is the gateway, right? So like the pelvis is where we hold almost everything. I mean, on a literal level, it's where we hold like the energy of our body rests on our pelvis as bipeds. And, um, and so the cervix is the gateway to to that and really it's cool because the cervix is the opening to the uterus and there's sort of two doors that are that make up the cervix there's the external oz and oz means opening and there's the internal oz and it's cool with um as someone who's done pap smears and things like that on folks the external oz is the verbal consent you're like yeah i'm okay with this but the internal oz is like your higher self and your kind of like more truthful and like body consent and so for a lot of people they're like yeah you can do it just go for it and it's like okay cool and then you can get through the the outer oz but you can't get in through the inner door because they're being as like no 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 i really don't want this and there's no way you like can't force it like if you try to push something into that like the your uterus will physically retreat back into the body and so it's so cool it's like it's our place of truth and it's the doors that sort of you know, that release as well as take in all of the universe. So, yeah. Do you ever read people's energy through doing yoni massages? Yeah, all the time. It's I love doing that. <laughs> I think it's really good medicine. Tell us about it. <laughs> well, I mean, what it looks like on just a logistical level is kind of like the person gets comfortable and then like when they feel ready and of course this is all with like lots of consent and everything you put just two fingers uh in to the opening and you apply just really gentle pressure and then you kind of just like a clock almost you just slowly go around and apply little like very gentle like still pressure like it's not a lot of movement and from those places especially if you get to a place of tension um, visions tend to just kind of start flowing from that place for the person receiving. And also for me as, as someone who's in that space as well, it's like lineage stuff will come up of like, wow, this tightness here is like this grandma saying this or holding you in this way or this lineage trauma that's presenting itself in your body. And even just seeing it and witnessing whatever's there tends to melt away the tension. I felt intense scar tissue just melt under my fingers and completely disappear with just the witnessing of what it means and what it is and people can do it on themselves or with their partners or whatever but yeah you're basically just journeying with someone on the physical level and I know for me it's always like a very intense experience just like you know just seeing into this whole person's being through their yoni you know that's it's really is the gateway to the like the microcosm of each person so is there an equivalent of that for the masculine? Um, 
I haven't worked with it in that way with the masculine, but I've heard of people who do it. Um, yeah, I've definitely heard of people giving like prostate massages and doing work more anally and not as, um, and doing kind of work from behind in that way, but still activating those things that way. I haven't worked that way before, although I have been asked to work that way before. It just didn't line up schedule wise. I think I was out of birth, but, um, yeah, I've, I've heard of really, really deep work being done that way as well. I've noticed that in the root chakra on like penis bodied friends, like I've, I've done energy readings for my partners in that way and like rubbed in that area and felt like little knots Mm -hmm. that did bring up emotion and tears in a former partner. Yeah. So I don't know if it's as, as intense because, you know, the yoni is so internal. Right. But it did something, you know, and they're not, I noticed when I was doing it to my former partner, they're not used to being touched and seen in that way. I mean, the feminine really isn't either in general, but to like really hold space for him and like hold eye contact and just feel those little knots in that area. It was actually a really intense and beautiful experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've definitely, I mean, like I say that I haven't really worked on like people with penises, but I definitely with partners have, um, and like just witnessing and, and feeling like witnessing with touch. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you guys may notice there's, there's a little other breath in the mic (laughs) and sometimes there's a grunt or a little... I don't know what to call these sounds, but they're beautiful little sounds. And that's because Rosie had a beautiful baby since the last time <laughs> we talked. A full moon baby. Do you want to tell us about it at all? Yeah, I mean, it was super sweet. I um, I mean, that actual birth was really beautiful and ultimately pretty fast. And it wasn't that it wasn't painful, but I was able to stay in my body and there's a whole herd of moose out front. It's, yes, it's, there was. Yeah, it snowed, <laughs> it snowed the night before, like, two feet. And so, like, I had, I, like, in the middle of labor, like, shoveled out the driveway in case we needed to get out. And Which um, is wild. Yeah. I, well, because I was just like, this is going to be another six-day labor, like, my first baby. And it wasn't. Thank goodness. <laughs> I mean, I was down. But, um, and then the moon rose and all the moose came and I was able to feed my kiddo and put him to bed and then I yeah had you know a couple hours of solo time and then she came really and then I went to the main room and put on this salt lamp that my grandparents who both passed in this pregnancy gave me and like lit this candle for my mama from a birth and yeah just had the little one like free birthed her and it was really super sweet and she came out with her eyes open, not crying, but super pink and present and just, yeah, little moon-faced baby. It's very sweet. So sweet. And the whole birth experience that you had was a good reminder of, well, how fucking good you are at manifesting. We are all good uh, at manifesting. <laughs> yeah, but you, you're tapped in. But it, but it was helpful to witness you experience that and just how beautiful it was and how like I got to see you after and you just looked so gorgeous and strong but back to the manifesting (laughs) part um 
Rosie said she showed me this carpet in her living room and she's like, I'm going to give birth on this carpet at this time at night so my firstborn can be tucked in bed safely and peacefully and I'm going to give birth by myself, I think, and this is what it's going to be like. And I was like, mm-hmm, I hope the best for you. <laughs> and you literally gave birth that exact way. And I, I just think that is so cool. Yeah, I'm super grateful. I, I wonder about, because I, you know, had a lot of other mamas whose births I ended up being at who that went really differently than they were trying to manifest. But they were all first babies. And I wonder sometimes if the rite of passage of first babies bring has to bring us a little bit different than what we sometimes feel. But I've also seen people totally manifest what they want with that too. So who knows? Yeah. And of course, there were moose outside. I know, like so many. <laughs> we usually have two that come around here, but there was like a bunch of them. And they left pretty soon after you gave birth. Very right? quickly. And well, it's cool because they were actually just like sleeping. Um, and I even called a friend to come and they like couldn't leave their door because the moose were guarding it, like a friend that lives on the <laughs> land. And it was, it's just wonderful. <laughs> I like, I love that. And they like, yeah, they left, they left a couple hours after I gave birth and like haven't really been back since, even though they, they hang in the area, but it hasn't been like, they came a lot like a week before I had two of them came a lot a week before I had the little one and then they all came on the birth and then yeah they that was what they came to do it's so amazing full moon baby Pisces sun Virgo moon it just felt like such a magical time yeah and our Sam gave birth at around the same time so he's also been on horopod Mm -hmm. and so i just i don't know i think these babies feel very special but i could be (laughs) extremely biased (laughs) um last time you were on we talked about like this new species or kind of the new ways babies are taking form do you feel like that's shifted at all um i mean i feel like there's waves of babies coming through you know just like and it's cool because i get waves of types of mamas coming through like I'm like oh here's like all the mamas seem to be into this or believe in this and and there's waves of babies that come and they you know come into different families but um yeah the babies coming in right now are fierce as fuck they're just like here and they know what to do and they're just like not like they just are on like straight like lightning paths to what they're doing and it feels really cool and um yeah like they're coming in ready to do something whatever that is and I think it's way beyond what any of us could ever understand yeah I got to observe you a lot in your pregnancy and it was cool to witness how it was just so obvious that another being was inside of you Uh who is a little different than you and your firstborn yeah you know like you could feel this other spirit totally in the room and I don't know if personality is the right word, but just like totally different energy. Yeah. And it was shifting how you would normally make choices, maybe, <laughs> and maybe some of your own boundaries or. Yeah. yeah. And, and I am seeing that a lot and I'm seeing babies land a lot sooner in the body. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, I haven't really connected with them yet. And these days people are like, whoa, this baby is like here, preconception, hardcore, <laughs> like just making it happen. So this current little wave of babies is really, yeah, like they know what they want and they're doing it. And they're just on this very strong path that doesn't seem to be able to be diverged. And I've been seeing them 
yeah, causing all sorts of crazy things to continue to stay on their path. Like, um, you know, people moving or sickness or whatever, and not necessarily bad things, but often big shifts so that they can do what they meant to do, you know? So yeah, I think it'll they'll be kind of an upheavaly little wave of humans. You have to be a fucking fierce spirit to want to come into the earth at this time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think they're coming in for whatever the next like big shift is. Um, and I, I think, I think big, like more palpable than like COVID or those kinds of things, like something a lot more like giant paradigm species shift. I feel like these ones are coming in to either bring that about or to really like lay the foundation for that. I feel like she's walked with me before. And so I feel like she knows me. And so she's doing, she's just like talking my language really well. Like, I feel like we've been friends in past lives, like really deep friends. And so I feel like she's just being really kind to me, but is still like walking her way, you know? Yeah. That is so nice. Yeah. And so sweet. I think about the energy of kindness within friendship and it almost feels like some of us don't even know how to express kindness right now. Yeah. And like really show it or hold it. And even after you gave birth, I just wanted to like love you <laughs> so much. And I just felt like all this big love for you, but I didn't know where to put it. And it and I've been noticing that in myself lately. Like sometimes I don't know we don't have ways necessarily to show our love for each other. Always. Right. Yeah. And especially in this culture, I feel like we, we don't even know how to show love for ourselves. And so it's hard to know what to do at all with any energy that we experience. So yeah. Yeah, completely. It's been really windy where we are. Yeah. Um, and I remember on a magical level, you were talking about the wind. What does the wind symbolize to you? I think like the wind is a spirit that is um, showing up hardcore with us. And it's sweet. My my firstborn goes to a really sweet little, kind. it's not really a school, but just like a little village space. And um, I was walking in one day to pick him up and it's run by these beautiful, like indigenous to this land women. And one of them was like, yeah, the wind are always our ancestors talking to us. I think that our ancestors can talk to us through the wind, but it was a good reminder of like, yeah, like always listen. But I think the wind is a spirit and it's showing up really strongly and will show up more. I think our world is going to become windy. And I remember reading some story of a person from, I think it was like, I don't know if he was a Haida man, but somebody from the far north and they're like, yeah, we're not as much noticing like the it getting warmer or wetter. We're noticing that it's windy. Like when I was a boy, it was not windy. And now it's like you got to nail your house deep into the ground or it's going to blow away. And I feel like that's our world now. Like the wind is going to continue to get stronger and stronger. And I feel like um, part of it's that we need to listen. You know, there's something that we have to see in the wind just makes you listen like you can't hide from it because it's gonna like knock a tree on you (laughs) and I just um and it's something that makes us uncomfortable like we can't just pretend it's something else because it feels good and I I think it's really good I think it's our medicine right now and I think we have to turn into the wind and we have to listen to it and we have to feed it um because we haven't been feeding anything like we've just been taking as a species from spirits and not feeding anything and i feel like the wind is kind of like yo you're gonna pay attention to me now and you like as a spirit we need to feed it and if you look at the old stories from everywhere i 
I've been, I've been loving the wind since I was a little one, which doesn't mean it's any more comfortable, but just knowing that like, oh, this one has to be heard. I remember being like a, a little kid, like riding my bike home and like the wind blowing against me and trying to like sing to it to pacify it and make it happy so it would blow like the other way or just chill out until I got home and it never worked but also feeling like okay it's just teaching me strength like it's okay (laughs) but um like I've always had a relationship with that that one um and I've always you know paid attention a lot to the way it moves and just like a shout out to the sailors and the people who who do pay attention to the wind because it's so important but I've been reading about the old stories from the windy places Siberia and the steppe and just all the big wide windy places and all of them have stories about how the wind needs to be fed and the one I love the most is a Siberian tale and it talks about how um, the northern wind which is the cold blowing big wind Uh, needs to be married to a human so that it remembers us and it remembers to be kind and gentle with us and not blow us away and that's real like we somebody has to marry the wind and I think a little part of all of us has to marry the wind now that it's so big um yeah you know like it, it comes through this area and like down in the flats and up here like trees fall down and like like you won't have a house if you don't talk to the wind like you have to be talking with those ones there are people who can talk to weather more but everybody has that in them and we like we just you it's just not an option to not pay attention anymore because then your basic needs just go away yeah you remind you're bringing back some like childhood memories of mine and i would often even when i was really young kind of like sneak out of the house and like go explore and I rem- my grandparents had a couple of acres of land and they had all these trucks with tra- like flat bed trailers <laughs> and I would jump on these flatbed trailers and pretend it was my stage and I would always ask the wind to perform with me when I was little mm-hmm. and I felt like I could make it windier or like it was dancing with me and I would literally like sing into it mm-hmm. and it would get windier and windier outside and it would almost felt like sort of I liked its chaos because It was a reflection of the chaos I was experiencing in the house. Yeah. But that it made sense. The chaos of the wind made more sense to me. Yeah, totally. I feel like the wind is one of the first things that really taught me my own magic. Like I feel like when I was, I remember being like a, maybe an eight year old and going out in the backyard and casting a circle. And because I had like an old mystic friend who like taught me some very, like very little pieces of things. And so I cast a circle and it was a full moon and I had like planted a little elderberry tree by where I cast would cast my circles when I would sneak out and it was a full moon and there was a bunch of clouds and I remember yeah calling up the wind and and starting to dance with the wind and moving the clouds so that I could see the moon and it made this perfect little circle around the moon you know there was no it didn't move anything else just that and it was like yeah that worked like so I'm grateful to that one as the wind continues may it remind us of our magic Um, and may we choose to see it that way and choose to turn into it because I can't turn away from it or it's going to destroy us. Yeah. I remember my grandpa was a very angry person (laughs) sometimes, but I remember him always being like, the wind is pissing me off. I'm irritated at the wind. It's it's a nuisance. Hmm. And I remember thinking how strange to be angry at the air, you know, how strange 
to be angry at an element that is serving you and protecting you in ways. Right. And when you talk about people feeding the wind, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? I mean, I think it can look like whatever that person is being told. You know, I think there's a million ways and every place does it different. I mean, I think the wind loves, you know, what comes from our breath um, because our breath isn't really ours. It belongs to the wind. So I feel like sending delicious words and good songs and, you know, prayers through our breath onto that one of gratitude. I think that's a really good way to first, you know, give something to the wind. And yeah, I think I'm still figuring out myself how to go much deeper with that because I talk about being the wife of the wind and I just, I wonder if one can do that with a family because it seems so big the way that it's talked about in the old stories. But I think on the very least, just talking with that one, loving that one, getting to know that one and, and turning into it, I think is what we can do now on a small level. In the old stories, what did it look like? It often looks like somebody giving up worldly pleasures in a really big way. They have to walk through the cold and not button up their jacket and not took the snow out of their boots and like work through that hardness and just like continue and sit in the huts and the lodges of various scary things, but continue to serve those things. And then they'll give you the, you know, what you need to serve the wind. I, I think it, it looks like a hard path but also like one that's absolutely necessary for those, you know, for humans and the wind to have a relationship that's beautiful. I've been thinking about hard paths lately and, you know, how comfortable we get in this country. Yeah. It seems like there's a robot agenda (laughs) and it seems like it's making us less human, less active, less in tune with nature. And I think we're sold this sort of lie that to do less, to take the easier path is the path of pleasure and joy. But I just feel like that is like the path of depression. Yeah. And like true service. Like even this little thing, I was like, I have to learn so much every day. And I was like bitching to you (laughs) and complaining. But like even just learning, there's gratitude in that. Like, what do I want to do to stop using my brain? Like, why am I complaining about that? You know what I mean? Right. And I I think that comfort actually is like a... A prison? Yeah, like a prison. And also just um, kind of just a capitalist illusion that's not actually real. Like, I think pleasure is real, but I think we've forgotten what it means. I think it's a lost word. We don't have a memory for it almost at all in this country. I think like what pleasure is this you know comes from like the deep village and comes from the relationship with those ones and it's not comfortable and it's not easy it's like super hard work and it's like the most beautiful joyful thing and i i yeah i think comfort actually is is not it does not exist i think it's actually a really kind of dangerous illusion that just allows us to be very complacent to to pretty intense violence to be honest yeah and i think there's this energy of sacrifice that's what i heard when you were talking about feeding the wind is sort of sacrificing parts of yourself for the wind even if it's just not buttoning up your coat and sacred comes from the energy of sacrifice and i feel like we deeply need to sacrifice for each other more than ever 
and I don't know that I'm doing that. Like, I feel like I'm preaching on that. And I'm not, like, saying that I'm doing that really right now. But I know my times I've been my happiest is when I am in community, like, sort of sacrificing what might not look like is super fun. Like, there's so much joy that came out of it for me. <laughs> yeah, and I think it comes back to our, our fear of death, you know? Like, we're so afraid to die or let parts of ourselves die because we just are, yeah, we just don't belong. So we're afraid that if we lose anything, that we belong to even less. And so mm. I... That was good. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, a lot of the cultures that live in the windy places are all about sacrifice, actually. Like, that's what's considered the most righteous. Um, but I think if you, if there's, like, you know, the, the deep experience and understanding of community, like, sacrifice is also kind of not a word because it's just, like, it all feeds you because there isn't, I don't know, that's so, it's so silly, but, like, there is no separation because you are the the unit of humans and nature that is working together. Silly. I know it's just very, like, cliched <laughs> to be like, it's all one, but... <laughs> Um, but there's a truth to it, right? I think individualism is another um, complete lie of capitalism and, and really dangerous, and I think it's, yeah, not does not serve. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what I was reading recently, but it, it was from a perspective of someone who was a political prisoner for a long time, and they were... But he was in prison with a few other men and they got out and then they wrote about their experience and he was talking about how he thought prison was going to be like doom gloom for him but that they actually really missed it once they were out and I think and you hear that from people who've fought in war too yeah some people not everyone and I like what I was getting from what I was reading is that they experienced community in prison yeah and then we come out here and it's so individualistic right and war is very community driven right like you you roam in packs and you fight and protect each other yeah yeah and and to and you just join consciousness with other people in a way that's really that's what we're meant to do and what we can do and what we forget we're in this pretty uh intense cultural amnesia here and it's so yeah we don't we don't remember what even these words mean i don't think that we're ready to to marry the wind i think right now all we can do is just like learn that it has a voice and it's trying to talk and all we can do is listen at first you know yeah it's so interesting you keep bringing up the energy of memory because last night i had a dream that i don't really remember (laughs) but i think lyra was in it and you were in it but I remember waking up feeling like our memories have been fucked with. Yeah. We don't remember anything. We don't. Our, our memories, and some memories have been completely programmed into us and are completely false. And I like, I guess I've known that from like psychology classes I've taken and stuff. But the way it hit me this morning was like a different energy. Yeah. <laughs> Before the before we recorded, we were talking about Socrates a little bit, and he one of the reasons that he's completely against all forms of, you know, writing and putting down information is because it does destroy your memory, um, hardcore. And I mean, we've gone beyond writing so far, and we have no memory these days. But beyond no memory, we we don't even know how to talk. Like we don't even have the framework to have a memory in. You know, we have like. 
So we're kind of rebuilding from the ground up, which is a beautiful place too, but it's also a place that's like easily controlled. So it's good to just remember to just to stay strong in, in what you do have, which is your body and, and relearning. What do you mean that we don't know how to talk? I, I think everything has a language, right? Like humans, but also plants, animals, the stars, the wind. And I feel like in, in cultures that are, you know, that have depth and realness to them, you know, that where their people are initiated into life in a real way, that they know how to speak to those things. They know the language of those things. Yeah. And they know how to speak beauty into those things. And that's what feeds life. And we've forgotten all of that. And, and beyond that, even just like uh, English, you know, as a, as a language has an interesting history but also we've just forgotten what our words mean we don't know where they come from we don't know the true meaning of what they're actually doing um and words are magic right like there's a reason that to spell is the same as spell you know like as in a magic thing what we speak comes into truth in such a big way and our whole life is (laughs) (laughs) that was a baby (laughs) our whole life is, is that right like it's that those words so we need to learn to speak beautifully so that like what we're having is beauty you know i feel like we've forgotten how to speak and that's one of the main reasons we are where we are oh i love that so much <laughs> oh is that more baby farts, more baby farts. <laughs> yeah. i thought that was like wood squeaking no. <laughs> uh, i think it's special that we have a baby here <laughs> i love it I'm not editing any of these farts out, <laughs> so I hope the mic is really picking them up. <laughs> I agree that we have lost language, which is, which is weird to say because I have a podcast and do poems. But Socrates is making me feel better about not writing down all my poetry because <laughs> so many of my poems are just in my head, and I remember them as the rhythm right. of the poem. And that, like, makes me feel like, oh, maybe there was a little magic in that. I always judged myself for not being more organized and writing all of them down. Do you feel like there is a way or, like, a personal practice or a collective practice that we could try to reprogram individualism? Oh. Or break out of it? Hmm. Like, like people are desperate for this, you know? I talk to people all the time who don't want to live in a, on a house in a hill by themselves, you know? Right. Who want community. But we've seen people who live in communities that just become a destructive cult. Right, it's true. And But, I, yeah, I've just been sitting with so many families who were just, like, are just sobbing at the lack of village for the, them and their children, but especially for their kiddos. Ugh. I think it's interesting to even talk about the grief that we're feeling about it, because I don't think we talk about that. Well, I think that's one thing that we have to do, is to feel that grief, actually. I feel like giving birth to this little one was a huge soul, soul retrieval for me. Like, I've kept come back into my body in a way that I haven't been since I've been really, really young. And... um you know, from like trauma as a root, but then also just like when I have come back choosing to not inhabit it because it's just not a safe world. But I feel like I've come back really strong with her and and what I'm what is there is grief. And I um yeah, I think that one thing that we can do is is coming back to our bodies, actually. And I know that that's such an individual sounding thing, but I think we have to be embodied to be able to really see people and feel 
anything, right? And feel what's happening. Because I feel like for me, so long I've been so dissociated and I've been doing so much. You know, I've been like an activist and working at shelters and doing this and catching babies and whatever, but I haven't been like showing up in a real way for those things. And I, yeah, like now that I feel back in my body sitting with mamas and sitting at births and deaths, I'm like, wow, like there's so much more that I'm able to witness and hold space for and feel and be a part of and that you can't have people in a village that aren't like you know you can't have a village of ghosts and so I think coming back to the body is one of the big things that you can do and then just being with people checking in you know like tending your elders tending your children like cooking food and sharing a meal being real like going back to like the most simple things like simplicity is what we can do (laughs) to kind of break that down just being simple and beautiful and like loving each other, which is so cliched again. But I mean, what else is there? Like, I think the elders and the children and the postpartum mamas is where I see the tending, but it's all, it's everybody. Yeah. And simplicity sounds like obvious, but it's not. Yeah. It's not, especially for people who've experienced trauma. Simplicity is not always easily accessible or the like for me I didn't know how to tap into it really into yeah. my own simplicity um I went to that family wedding recently that I was so yeah. so scared of because I've been very estranged from my family and my parents weren't there because I'm even more estranged from them but it was my mother's family and when Child Protective Services took my brother and I away. We were placed with them. And for the last few years, I've been estranged from them because I feel like I stuck up for my little brother and I told them the truth and they were so angry at me. Yeah. And they were like, get the fuck out of here and said horrific things about me. And I just had all this rage towards them. And it was making me really sick leading up to the wedding. And I think I've been pretty sick from this family experience most of my life but especially the last year and my brother and I like work out alone together we sit together we cry together we've changed our eating habits together and it almost feels like we spent a whole year preparing for this wedding Mm. or for this like meeting of souls and I like experienced anger and grief leading up to it and I sat with you like a week before the wedding and you're like have you done magic on it (laughs) again you reminding me just like simple magic and there's something about the big things that I have a hard time bringing my magic to sometimes and I had to ask myself like why like why am I not doing magic around this or ritual around this or talking to the wind about it in my I felt like my guides or myself was just like because in a way I'm afraid for it to heal Hmm. because then I would lose them completely right and then I was like oh shit (laughs) yeah and then my guides were like so if you're so angry at them because you don't want to lose them but you simultaneously think they're capitalist bigots or whatever what is it Lacey like what do you actually fucking want Hmm. and then I was like I want them to love me yeah and I actually 
just want to love them like even if they don't love me like I just kind of want to love them because it feels horrific in my body hating them yeah and I've hated them for so long so I like did some ritual by myself and then I like really beautified myself before the wedding and I called in lilacs Hmm. and I like picked lilacs and then I painted my nails the color of lilac and I was just like I am owning the energy of lilac because I think she's like such a sweet protector Mm -hmm. and I envisioned my energy be filled being the color of lilac and then I found a jumpsuit like completely on accident I just ran into a store I fucking hate shopping and I went into a store and there was this like lilac jumpsuit (laughs) and I was like this is never gonna fit me and I tried it on and it was like sisterhood of the magic pants or whatever (laughs) because this jumpsuit fit me and I look and I like went and got my hair cut by this young girl that night and I felt really weird getting my hair cut by her I've never met her before and like cutting hair is ritual it's secret so much and she's like young and like really pretty and I'm like what am I doing here and I just start bawling in the seat Hmm. and she touches my shoulder and she's like you're so brave for going to this wedding and I didn't even tell her anything about it I just said I'm going to a wedding Hmm. so I like kind of released that and I walked into the wedding and I have this uncle there who hates me who's banned me from gatherings and I was shaking (laughs) and I was so scared but all the kids ran up and like hugged me and the kids are like where have you been hmm. and I even got to meet like new kids who like I instantly felt connected to but this is I'm going on and on but I just held on to the energy of lilac and my uncle came up to me the one who's hated me and he looked at me and smiled and part of me wanted to be a bitch and I just wanted to kind of tell him off for a second and then I was like no actually I don't and I smiled back and we hugged and I just felt like I was truly in a frequency of love Hmm. and then that's what I attracted is my family healed forever probably not (laughs) will they do some weird stuff again absolutely But I stayed till like two o'clock in the morning and I just was sober, but watched everyone else like on the dance floor drinking and hugging each other. And I watched like my aunts cry and I saw their pain, like I saw their grief as an adult rather than as a child. Hmm. And yeah, I'm probably going to cut all of that out. Why? That one's so cool. (laughs) But I just appreciated you reminding me of simplicity because even though it took a lot of energy to show up there the energy was very simple once I got there yeah and I had that to hold on to even if I felt alone in moments yeah no it's so real it's yeah ah thanks for sharing cool that's so cool I also think that, like, you brought me magic that day, though. Like, I thought of you a lot. I was praying for you, dude. I (laughs) I was like, oh, God, my feet. I really felt it. And it, like, makes such a difference. Mm -hmm. And I even told my brother, I'm like, Rosie's doing magic for us. (laughs) And he felt it, you know. Mm -hmm. And it, it was truly a miracle. It was also the eclipse and new moon that day. So it 
something shifted forever Hmm. and a weight fell off of me wow yeah that's so good I'm so glad dude um what do you you feel about fire and like nature right now Mm, fire's interesting there's so many fires in Colorado right now and just kind of always like my folks home just almost burned down and like it's so interesting yeah and um I I yeah I I think that I mean when you first said fire I was thinking about burning cords because I was talking with a family today about burning the cord of um like the umbilical cord to separate it I often use fire instead of like surgical scissors or something and um and how it like separates us from that which used to feed us and I feel like that's kind of happening with us right now like it's giving us actually some relatively gentle warning reminders whatever of like hey you don't need that or like be ready to be without that thing because like you might not have that at some point and it's okay you know you're gonna be okay and also like we can stand up for we can like support each other in that place like there was a fire that recently took down so many houses and all my people whose houses those burned down have been like really blessed with like a lot of community support and it's like it seems like that's the story of that particular little fire and and that's really cool that we're like oh we really can support each other and like even with things as basic as shelter we're able to still be okay you know so I think it's it's like baby steps into like releasing some of the stuff that we and I'm not saying that we should like release our houses or shelter or whatever but just our attachment to the stuff you know it's like it's okay like loosen up a little bit it's all right because like that might go sometime and you really don't need it and it's not really what we're here for so I think that that's the fire piece right now and in nature like when I've been watching all the plants like this is usually the time when I'm like harvesting like armloads of alfalfa and stuff for my goats down in the flats and they're small the plants are small right now like they're there like we've still got you know, I was looking at my stand of cleavers where I usually go and I was like, whoa, you're tiny. Like, and like, I can't harvest you this year. And even last summer, I remember you getting cleavers. Yeah. Like I, like arm loads of them. Cause they yeah. were just like up to my armpits. Like there's just so much of everything. And, and it was a little later in the season, but we still had the stuff at this time. And, and I'm like, wow, everything is really small. It's really dry and um everything is like conserving its energy like nothing is being uh you know kind of like that like big look at me like flashiness everything's being small and conserving and I think we should look to the plants and really kind of bring our energy inward and like again to that simplicity like what is needed like like you know cook, cook your food well and share it with your people and love your people and just that kind of simple stuff like you know like just really basic and support your people in a basic way like make them food like give them a hug like love them up and and that's what's true you know I have this uncle who you've met actually and Dean and he's like a chosen family uncle and he's um you know in some ways people write him off a lot because he's kind of can be crazy and you know it's sort of also just like a crack addict in a trailer kind of guy like is that or has been that I don't mean to laugh no but it's it's legit and um but he's also like the wisest person I know in my life and and you know amidst some of the craziness we'll just have like the most truth that I ever hear and that's he's like yeah you know like my purpose in life right now is feeding the birds outside and like making good compost and it's like yeah like that's life and he and every time you go over he makes good food and even though he's like 
not made a lot of money and not successful and, and compared to a lot of my elders he's yeah kind of has not made it in a societal way in any ways he's like just he just has a deep knowing of the truth and the truth that does come out is just simplicity and you kind of have to go through the grief first yeah or just always i feel like you know at this time we have more grief than we can even handle and so it's just um what do you feel like your grief is saying i mean i think the grief is just saying that we've forgotten and i think that there's like the deepest grief is there yeah and um yeah and i think the first thing we can do to remember is to feed that which we can with beautiful words with beautiful food and to get to know our bodies because that's the earth as well you know even if you live in a high rise somewhere whatever like like you have the earth right there in your belly like get to know your belly what were you saying about fear yeah i just feel like fear is not the medicine right now i feel like we need to stop being afraid and start just like learning how to how to just be resourceful and how to like deal with whatever we don't you know what with little something i was just telling you that i feel like with my kids what i hope something that i'm gonna put them through i think somehow is how to be in a city without money or really anything and then how to be in the woods without anything like without you know just with like a very basic layer of clothes and that's it and because to me it's like if you can survive those places and of course i'd have like an emergency phone if they like couldn't handle it but um if you can survive those places then you don't need to be scared of anything because people can take everything away from you and you know you can survive and you know you can thrive and do it and it's good and i think now right now like the energy is not the medicine is not asking us to be scared like we can do it we adapt it's what we do as people you know so I feel like, you know, these things are being taken away from us or rights are being taken away from us or food or whatever. And it's just like, no, like you can do it. You got it. Like find a way, like find a way and and, and make it work because we can. And so there's no use being scared. It's not the way right now. Yeah. Yeah. And in the age of information, it there, there, we can fi- figure out so much information of what to fear. Right. And... As I was driving here today, there was a big moose on the side of the road, and I like pulled over to like talk to the moose a little bit. And for, there was a second, and I was like, "Oh, I never watch my body when I get out of my car at Rosie's house. I just jump out, say hi to the goats, <laughs> and scurry inside. And I don't even look around to see if a moose could trample me. You know, <laughs> I think I would feel it energetically if it was around, and obviously see it because they're huge. But it reminded me of being a young person." And when I was 18, we didn't have cell phones. And I got on a fucking boat and traveled for three days on a boat to an island in Alaska with strangers, you know? But one thing I would do every day is I would go sit with the moose. And it was this pregnant moose who would feed in the same area every day. And I sat next to her every day. And then I continued in the summer after she had her baby. And I would never do that now. You know what I mean? Just because I've heard so many scary moose stories that they trample people. But I didn't even consider it then. Right. I remember I had a partner that we used to just sleep out all the time, like on the tops of buildings, but also just out in the woods. And the moose were, like the male moose were running this one season up in like the super high country 
and there's this really sweet kind of dry flats place to sleep and so we would just sleep amidst all these moose like at the feet of these moose like I could reach out and touch them and they're these like giant male moose with their like huge antlers and yeah they were always really chill with us and granted it's a rather chill time of season just before the rut really but like yeah we were hanging out with like 20 moose just like doing their thing (laughs) not 20 but a lot yeah, I didn't even think twice that this was like a mama with a baby and how scary that could be. Right. But she wasn't scared and I wasn't scared. Right. That's been my experience with bears too. I feel like if you're not taught to be scared of something, it doesn't have to be scary all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I went on a little, just a hike up the mountain behind your house with your little one uh-huh. and he was like holding my hand and he was like I'll protect you and I'm like oh are you afraid of bears and he's like no are you <laughs> I don't know why it reminded me of that but I'm like oh yeah no one's taught you to be afraid of a bear so yeah. why would I even ask you that no he's seen a couple and he's just like yeah yeah I'm just like not everybody sees bears all the time you know and he's like yeah that's cool like we live in the woods yeah yeah just black bears here though right yeah just black bears i have to say that when i saw a grizzly bear i was i had a very instinctual like okay like go away fast now yeah we saw lots of grizzlies in alaska during the salmon run when the salmon come back upstream you know to have their babies and the bears feed there and and it's intimidating to see a grizzly, but they just don't care about you. Right. Because their food is, is so plentiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So many salmon, so many berries. Hmm. What do you feel like are some good herbs for memory? Um, I mean, like ginkgo is one, but really rosemary, they say, is one of the big ones. Even just smelling it, yeah. which is really cool. And, and it's, yeah, it's rosemary is the one that most people go to. And it works actually really well. Like when I was going to school, I'd always have it at test. It's like a little essential oil bottle. And I don't know if that's why I did well in school. But um, but all, all, all the brain ones, right? Ginkgo, lion's mane, that kind of stuff. Makes me feel like more stable. Yeah. Like emotionally. Yeah. I always burn it to bless the babies. Like I think it's the one yeah. that does that. Thank you for being here. Yeah. I love you so much. I love you too. And your wisdom and your magic. And you encourage me. And even the part of like feeling a grief in this right now, there is encouragement in that for me too. Because like, if the biggest issue right now, if a large issue right now is that we don't remember, we can access memories. Yeah. It's not gone. Yeah. And actually, like, that's a beautiful thing. It's really like an invitation to remember more than anything else. It's not like, oh, it's gone and you're lost forever. It's like, no, no, no. Like, there's there's something to be done and here's a map, you know, like, you're, like touch your belly yeah. and talk to the wind. Yeah. And also, yeah, I feel like grief, I mean, like, what is grief? But just like the other side of love, right? So grieving is just remembering how to love in a real way. So it's not, none of it's like bad. It doesn't have to be down. It's actually all like what is beauty in life. And I think once we engage it, there's like a depth of beauty to it. I know for me, like coming back to my body and feeling all this grief, I'm like, dang, like that's really painful. And then also like, it's also the most beautiful thing too. And I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know? So, yeah. Completely.
Well, you look gorgeous right now. <laughs> the grief is doing wonders for you. Your hair looks amazing. Um, okay, thank you guys. May you dance and sing and feed the wind. Bye. Thank you.